You're listening to Film School, broadcasting every Tuesday at 9 a.m. Pacific Time at KUCI 88.9 FM, Irvine, California, and on the web at KUCI.org slash filmschool. I'm Nathan Callahan. And I'm Mike Kaspar. In his new film, Mr. Lonely, our guest today, director Harmony Corrine, explores faith and obsession to the world of a young American in Paris who works as a Michael Jackson impersonator. Corrine's filmmaking career began in 1995 when he wrote the critically acclaimed screenplay Kids for director Larry Clark. Following Kids, Corrine directed the beautifully jarring, unconventional films Gummo and Julian Donkey Boy. Mr. Lonely opens in Los Angeles Friday, May 9th at the Lemley Sunset 5. Harmony Green, welcome to Film School. Hey, Film School, how's it going? All right, how you doing? <laughs> really good, really good. I was actually like, sorry, I was I got stuck in my basement. Oh my gosh. Uh, yeah, I got what? stuck in my basement. I was covered in suit. Oh, really? Wow. Were, were you were you desuiting the basement? No, what happened was like I had like two of my houses had burned down and so most of my belongings um, were destroyed, but some of them actually I had like kept in the basement, and I hadn't looked at for anything that was in there. You're kidding! I mean, uh, two of your houses literally burned to the ground. Yeah, oh. two houses. So I just bought a new house in Nashville, and when I moved in, I brought all the stuff that wasn't destroyed in the basement. Oh my goodness! So I was like, just going through it all now. Oh my friends. gosh. What yeah. a what a traumatic were experience. These, yeah, were these like uh keepsake type of things that you were looking through? Like Yeah, I mean I found lots of pictures of videos where I used to get beaten up. We found lots of videos and then I found really? pictures huh. of yeah. um these almost I guess I used to do these things called curb dancing that when we would huh. steal these parking lot curbs and put them in the back of like suburban patios and tap dance yeah. on uh, these parking lots while my friends would barbecue, <laughs> and uh, we would do these kind of almost like quasi-minstrel reenactments where we would sometimes like pull out our inner Jolson and really yeah. really kind of like bleed for the audience. Anyway, <laughs> we documented a lot of that stuff. I was really surprised to find some of that footage. Well, it just reminds me, Harmony, that you have been a filmmaker for such a long period of time. Yeah. I started making movies when I was, I guess, like 15. My dad was a documentary filmmaker, so I was always kind of around it. When you saw these old films, did it were you connecting with what you're making now at all? Did it take you to make a connect to present day? Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's definitely connected. I, I, in fact, I think, like, if when I look back at stuff I was writing, even when I was, like, 15, my sense of humor, even just writing style, it hasn't even really progressed so much. Like, I think I've, like... Uh, I'm still pretty close to what I was. <laughs> what now? Well, that's good. Don't you think? Don't you feel good about that? Did you feel, sure. Yeah. yeah. You know, what can you do about it, right? <laughs> <laughs> now, I want to ask you in, in that regard, back with, in, when you were 15 years old and you are making films, was your brother Avi involved in, in that as well? or was this? A... No, because he, he's like seven years younger than me. So he's like, he's really only like 20, he's like 26 now or something, mm-hmm. 27. So he was just a little kid then just eating chicken McNuggets and <laughs> dipping them in honey sauce. <laughs> and like, but no, what happened was I used to just write. I was like, I started getting into writing and I had a creative writing class in 
in high school, and my teacher thought some of the stuff I was writing was interesting, so she asked me if I wanted to turn it into a piece I'd written into, like, a short film, mm-hmm. and she could try to get me grant money from the state. And I said, sure. And so that's what happened. She got me, like, 2000 bucks, and I went out, and my dad showed me how to work a bullwax, and, like, I just cast my friends, and, like, we shot, like, in the back alleys and streets of Nashville, like, in the early, I guess it was, like... 1989-1990. Did you lose some of those films in the fire? You mean to lose those movies? Yeah. yeah. Well, my my parents had saved a copy, so... Well, that's good. Yeah. Let, me, let me ask you, I want to ask you a question. Your father is a, a documentary filmmaker, uh, but you had this teacher in high school who really saw uh, saw the value of what you were doing and, and, and pushed you towards turning it into a film. Were you going to be a filmmaker no matter what, or did, was it, the, was it the, the push from this teacher that really got you involved in being a filmmaker? Well... It started out that I really liked tap dancing. So when I was young, I was obsessed with like the Nicholas Brothers and yeah. um, and so what I used to do. But I wanted to invent my own style of tap dancing. And so I used to dance on the curbs and sidewalks in the city with my with no shoelaces in my shoe. And I was hoping that it would start like a kind of like a new genre of tap dance, um, like a new movement. But it didn't really work out. So then I started just thinking about <laughs> films and movies and images and stuff because as a kid, my dad had always just taken me to the movie theaters and never really censored anything that I watched. It was always if there was a movie he wanted to see, he would just take me with him. So, like, that was kind of the, the thing. I lived by this um, movie theater at Vanderbilt University called Surratt Cinemas that every day would play, like, a different w, double feature. So I got to see, like, W.C. Fields movies and Marx Brothers movies and Buster yeah. Keaton films projected and, you know, Douglas Sirk movies or Fassbender films or Drive movies. I got to see all this stuff and it was really exciting for me. And then I just started thinking maybe it was something that I can do. So that was maybe like the impetus was like in her helping me, maybe giving me money and, and I realized that in some ways it like demystified the process and I thought it was something I could, was cap- capable of. But pretty early on, like I was sure like that I would make movies as a young person. Like I felt so strongly about film and about wanting to make movies and seeing movies in a different way. I really didn't care. Like I, I just felt like I, in some ways I was just like exploding. You know, yeah. things were coming through me, and I just needed to make films. It was just something like there was never an idea that it wouldn't happen. Yeah. Did you find the Marx Brothers uh, inspirational? Oh yeah, yeah. It's still, yeah. It's my, it's still probably you know my, probably my favorite yeah. act, American act. Now, what brought you to the image? of a Michael Jackson impersonator. Do you remember when that popped into your head as being a subject of a film? Yeah. When I, I was living in Paris, I was pretty down on my luck, and I was like, <clears throat> I didn't have much money, and I had my my brain was pretty frazzed, and I was disconnected, and I started, like, I, I don't know what happened, but, like, at a certain point, I started, like, dressing up in tinfoil. I started, like, wrapping myself in tinfoil outfits and putting rubber bands around my joints so that I can move. Yeah. Shower caps on my head. Yeah. Just to keep all my thoughts in. And I would just walk around Paris like that. And uh, I would have these little cap guns in the side of my pocket. And sometimes I'd walk by this Michael Jackson impersonator from Germany on the street. Now, for whatever reasons, I would just kind of uh, sh- I would shoot my gun, these little cap guns off. And one day he got angry at me. And he said, it's not good to do that to someone with a handicap. And I said, what are you talking about? And he pulled up his leg and showed me that actually, uh, pulled up like his pant leg and showed me actually it was like a stump. 
he'd fallen asleep on a railroad track and oh, uh, got, had his leg rolled over. So we sat there and talked and got drunk together. And I started thinking, you know, wow, it's amazing. This, this guy, this Michael Jackson impersonator, is like doing these great moves with a stump and no yeah. one even notices. He could moonwalk and, with uh, a stump, huh? Yeah, but he had like a, what, what do they call it, a prosthesis? Yeah, yeah, yeah prosthetic, yeah. Yeah, but somehow he worked it so well that that you would never know. And I just then it kind of just sparked this idea, and I started talking. And we would hang out together sometimes, eat shish kebabs. Yeah, and uh, <laughs> that was how it happened. We're speaking with Harmony yeah. Kareen. There you go. And and the film oh. is Mr. Lonely. I got to tell you, I really, Mike and I both really love the film. He did a wonderful oh, job, and we're we're still feeling good about it. Yeah. We saw both saw it a couple of days ago, and it's it's just it makes us feel good to think about it. You did a great job. Oh, thank you so much. That means a lot. Thank you. Appreciate that. For people who are just tuning in uh, to and don't know much about Mr. Lonely, the the film is uh, basically my, this Michael Jackson impersonator ends up on a uh, in a commune with uh, other impersonators, the people who live the lives of Marilyn Monroe and Shirley Temple and Abraham Lincoln and the Three Stooges and the que- uh-huh. Queen of England and the Pope, among others. Uh, now, when you're putting something like that together, are you thinking, uh, uh, I'm, I'm making a statement about fame or about impersonation, or do you just let these things happen and play out? Yeah, exactly. I actually never, like, set out to say much of anything. Like, I, I always, like, set out to make you maybe have more of an experience like i always felt like in movies that everything was too explained and there was too much of a connection no one left any kind of margin of of the undefined and like i always wanted to write great novels with pages missing in all the right places you know (laughs) and i wanted to do the same thing with movies and so it came from a place always i felt like with movies that were more hidden and something that had to do more with a feeling and an experience like i make the movies and because, or I come up with these ideas or whatever, because I can't really explain them. Like I can't say to you, like I can't sit there and talk, talk it away. Yeah. You know what I mean? Like uh-huh. I make it because I can't speak it. So like I've always been attracted, as you know, forever in life and in filmmaking to marginalized characters or characters with obsessive natures, characters that live outside of the system, people that, like, design their own world. Awkward, strange, kind of like people inventing their own languages, making it up as they go. Uh And so, I don't know, I just started to think of this concept of a commune with impersonators. And at the same time, there was a whole another story about nuns, missionaries jumping out of airplanes without parachutes. Yeah to test their faith. And I just started to think that it was the same story, that they were both spoke to the same ideas, yeah. and there was like a kind of a emotional connection to them. Yeah, the nun sequences, especially the, the flying, parachuting, the flying with the bicycle, those are just, uh, yeah. those, are, those are breathtaking scenes. Were, were they difficult to make? Yeah, those are really, really complicated because we were having, I thought for like, the, for the sake of like realism we needed or for just the kind of authenticity, I would like to find a, nuns that really would jump out of airplanes. Yeah. And it was difficult, but we went to Spain and we found a group that would do it. We didn't find any nuns that would ride bicycles out of airplanes, yeah. so I had to use a stunt person for that. But yeah, it was, it was tough. We shot it in Spain. It was like 125 degrees, and yeah. all that people had there to eat were uh, 
four cheese pizzas and and spam sandwiches. <laughs> and uh, I remember and just boxes and boxes of that green jello. And so like I had just started to like I guess my third or fourth day in working with like this the the cameraman who was jumping out of the plane with cameras on his head, I started to almost hallucinate from the heat and the jello. <laughs> and uh it, yeah. it took on this it took on this whole other quality that I I, I think I think kind of comes through in the film. I was just mesmerized by some of the shots of the, of the nuns in the air. And, and, and also, that point in time, you're using some great soundtrack, too. All the way through, the soundtrack to this film just really matches up nicely. Did you have a big hand in that, putting it together? Yeah, 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 yeah. yeah. With everything in the movie, I, I, don't even, I don't really let my editor, when I don't really let them do any kind of a rough cut or an assembly. Yeah. I, I kind of like... I can't just because the film is so specific, it's so in my mind, and there's not really like a map for it, you know? It's kind of like making it up as you go, so it's more like a collage or something. I just always wanted to make movies where there's like images coming, images and sound coming from all directions. Yeah. And so, yeah, with this, with the music, it was the same thing. It was just taking pieces of music that I liked or that I felt some kind of connection to. For me, one of the strengths of the film is that. You you allow these characters, these impersonators, to uh, their characters to unfold organically within the context of their of their situation in these communes, and you did a terrific job with all those people bringing them all together. How do you get people to to perform like that? You just set them free. Well, what I try to do is like I try to create an environment where anything could happen where it's almost like chemicals. And I've always been a director who likes mistakes. Like, I always like kind of awkwardness and, like, the beauty of mistakes or when things don't fit exactly right. And there's kind of, like, I don't know, explosions happen. So I, what I try to do is create an atmosphere where anything can happen, where people are always in costume. There's always things happening. And um, encourage the actors to kind of take it to a place that I hadn't imagined possible yeah. you know what i'm saying yeah absolutely like, but i'm always kind of manipulating it i'm always like it's not documentary and it's not verite it's like a manipulation it's a kind of like a subtle science fiction I can't let you get away without commenting on the terrific performances from Diego Luna, Samantha Morgan, and the reuniting of Anita Pallenberg and uh, James Fox. You did a did a terrific job with the casting of this film. Yeah. Oh, thanks so much. Yeah, they were, those guys were great. And also your cinematographer. Let's just because there are some shots uh, out in the commune that are just remarkable. Uh, he's a Dane. He's pretty young. His name is Marcel Ziskin, yeah. and um, he works with Michael Winterbottom a lot. And He's a really. I think he's top notch. Yeah. I think he'll probably. I think he'll probably one day be like one of you know considered one of the greats. Well, he he did a. It, the film is it's a beautiful film to look at. It's a story that uh, just just brings you along. Uh, Harmony Kareem, uh, with all due... Uh, yeah, get back in your basement. Yeah, get back to what you're doing. Uh, we we really appreciate you coming on film school. Thank you for being here today. Yeah. And for all you uh, kids out there, man, go and make some good movies. Go kind of go and invent a new language. Go like blow the place up. I'm looking forward to that. All right, thank you. <laughs> Talk to you soon. Right, bye bye. To learn more about film school, listen to more interviews, or subscribe to our podcast visit our website at KUCI.org slash
Film School. <laughs>